All right. As we creep into, what is it, week two or so of quarantines, people staying by themselves in their homes, social distancing, which I'm just going to make a, a quick call here as the early, what is it, the, the, the time quote of the year, the word of the year, social distancing. I think that's going to be an early favorite right there. Appreciate you listening. This is Jonas Nordman on the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show here on the Believe Podcast Network. College basketball season still finished for the year. Everything else continuing to roll on, as is the show. It's an earlier offseason than we expected, but hey, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. We're having a good time. Should be a really fun show today. I've got some more postseason awards rolling in that I'm going to fill the people on. Tell you what's sort of shaking out here as these awards and All-American teams continue to, to roll on out. Something really fun happened over the weekend with Bill Self online. We'll get into that. And then I'm going to start my new off-season series. They say, oh, Jonas, your off-season, the college basketball season, you should be in the midst of March Madness right now. I mean, hopefully Kansas would have won their first two games of the tournament over this past weekend. Hopefully we would be previewing like Sweet 16 or Elite 8 matchups here. But alas, it is what it is just because – there is an abrupt end to the college basketball season. Doesn't mean I'm going to do anything. And so today will be the start of our new series of reviewing player by player, telling you how the season shook out and what we can look forward to next year. Today will be the walk-ons plus one lightly used rotation player, but that'll be the back end of the show. Make sure you stay tuned. And that, right after that, if we have time, Paul Pierce is an ESPN guy, right? Former Jayhawk legend. He revealed his all-time Kansas team. See how it compares to yours. I think there's one that you probably can guess is on there. It's him. He's a big fan of himself. There. I'll leave it at that. But, of course, this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. I believe I got to put a capper on what was the, the topic from last week. Talked about it. Jayhawks deserve a banner. They deserve to be the champions of 20. If there's going to be no postseason play and we're just finishing at the regular season, this should be your, your title-winning team. Jeff Long, the athletic director for the University of Kansas, Kansas Athletics, did have a conference call yesterday or a conference video chat, a Zoom chat, if you will. By the way, I've been on the Zoom train way before this. What do you think the show gets recorded on? Zoom records the audio, and then I sort of edit it from there. So Believe in Jayhawks, been way ahead of the curve. Actually, it's just the Believe Podcast Network. That was what was suggested to me by our, our audio wizard, if you will, Tommy Nixon. So shout out to Tommy for being ahead of the curve. What a, what a man, what a, a sightseer, if you will. The oracle, that's the way to put it. So the, the topic was broached. The topic was put up to Jeff Long, the AD, a man who certainly loves the spotlight. Say what you want about Jeff Long. Allegations, David Beatty, the former football coach. Maybe not the time and place, but Jeff Long certainly knows where to find a camera or a microphone. And he was asked, what are you going to do about this team? How are you going to honor this team? And this was his quote, direct. Well, this is a special team, Long said. I mean, they were ranked number one to finish the regular season by the AP, by the coaches' poll, by many other polls. They are worthy of being recognized, and you can expect we're going to recognize them appropriately come the beginning 
of next basketball season. So something is in the works. I don't think they're going to hang a banner. I don't believe they will call them the national champions. Uh, Bill Self, I, I talked about it last week, is on record as saying if they put a banner up there, it would always have a huge asterisk next to it for him. Well, I think he sort of cheekily said that. Everyone within that building there in Lawrence, right there in beautiful Lawrence, Kansas, seems to be on the same page that they want to appreciate and, and honor this year's, this past year's team in some capacity. Maybe it'll be a, a fun T-shirt to be sold at the student stores. I would imagine that. But I, I don't think we should be holding our breath for some sort of national championship. Unless like the AP or, or the NCAA declares it, but I don't see that coming either. They probably would have done that by now. So keep an eye out for that. We'll, we'll keep our finger on the pulse for that as well. I mentioned just a second ago, more awards are starting to come on out, more honors, and something fascinating, interesting, disappointing did happen with the AP All-America teams. So let me start with the first team All-America, right? Might as well stop at, start at the top. Headlined, of course, by Obi Toppin of Dayton, who just today, recording this on a Wednesday again, uh, declared for the NBA draft, as expected, right? Unreal season. He's not going to top that season that he just put together. Go to the NBA, go get your money. Probably a top 10, certainly a lottery pick. I don't know if it'll be top 10. Uh, what I've seen about Obi Toppin, what I've read is that unbelievable up and down athleticism, side to side, not so much. So literally a pogo stick, can't go side to side. We'll, we'll see about Obi. I, it was so much fun watching him this season. So Toppin, Luca Garza of Iowa. Then Marcus Howard of Marquette got first team All-American. Miles Powell of Seton Hall. And then Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. You may have noticed I omitted two names from the first team All-Americans for the AP. Well, let's take a look down at the second team. Oh, here we go. Malachi Flynn, San Diego State. Cassius Winston, Michigan State. Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke. And then Yudoka Azabuki and Devon Dotson of your Kansas Jayhawks. So they are second team All-Americans. Uh, so we'll start with Yudoka. As Jesse Newell of the KC Star, and he is an AP voter, noted, the AP likes to keep some semblance of a true lineup for their All-American teams. So for Yudoka to be squeezed out by Obi Toppin and then Luca Garza, you know what? That's fair. You could make the argument that maybe he deserves to be over Luca Garza, but like that's a guy who might win player of the year nationally. So, And the numbers that Garza put up were ridiculous. So that's understandable. But when it comes to, De- to Devon Dodson and the guards that they chose over him for first-team All-American, that's where I have a bit of a bone to pick. So Peyton Pritchard, I think, deserves first-team All-American. If you got a chance to watch him at all at Oregon this year, he was amazing. So no argument there. Miles Powell and Marcus Howard, though, two Big East players, Marquette and Seton Hall, Powell from Seton Hall, the Pirates, and then Marcus Howard from Marquette out there in Milwaukee. Both sensational years, but Marcus Howard's an undersized gunner. Gets his shots up, lots of threes, a lot of contested threes, tough shots, and a lot of them go in. Gifted score. Not great defensively. Miles Powell, another great year for a really good Seton Hall team that was probably angling 
for a number two seed. So I can live with Miles Powell getting that first team All-American. And I think my biggest gripe would be Marcus Howard. Remember, Kansas actually played Marquette now two seasons ago, now that this one is finished. Tier. And uh, it, it was in that Brooklyn tournament. Kansas ended up playing Tennessee in the championship game. And we saw Marcus Howard. I think the best comparison I always think of is like Monte Ellis in the NBA, former Golden State Warrior before like they really got rolling. Never met a shot he didn't like. Somewhat similar to J.R. Smith, but like J.R. at least had decent size and, you know, you thought it might go in. Monte Ellis, Marcus Howard. And I'm not saying Marcus Howard is Monte Ellis, who was an NBA player. But if he's got the ball in his hands, he's likely to shoot it. I think you could maybe even compare him a bit to Trey Young, his freshman year at Oklahoma. Inefficient. If he's having a good game, his team's going to win. If, they're having, if he's having a bad game, they're going to lose. And Marcus Howard, more times than not, had good games. That's why Marquette generally had winning records, although they may not have made the tournament this year. So I think a guy like Devon Dotson, who led the Big 12 in scoring. What you think about that? As a, as a point guard, ball in his hands most of the time with a true dominant center, with some decent weapons around him, and, and in a conference with you know, all those Baylor guards and Desmond Bain of TCU, Jemias Ramsey of Texas Tech, it was Devon Dotson with his 18 points per game who led the Big 12 in scoring. So I, I think he deserved it over perhaps Marcus Howard. What are you going to do? AP Player of the Year, AP Coach of the Year, both came from Ohio. Obi Toppin is the Player of the Year. Anthony Grant, if you want to call him deservingly the Coach of the Year, sure. No gripes there. Like I said, Obi Toppin, Luca Garza will be battling all postseason for the top honors for Player of the Year. Uh, in, in terms of Coach of the Year, we see this across all sports and across all leagues. The Coach of the Year award tends to be we didn't think your team was going to be that great before the year, and you turned out to be both either competitive or actually pretty good. <laughs> the award for that. So Anthony Grant, I thought, you know, we saw them in Maui, right, as Kansas fans. And I thought that's, that was a really good team, the way they shared the ball, the way they played against a really good team. The only two losses that Dayton had were in overtime to Kansas in Maui and in overtime, was it in Brooklyn? I think, oh, no, it was in Chicago at the United Center against Colorado, a team that sort of flirted with being ranked all year long. I thought they were a little overrated, to be honest. Fun fact. Here's some trivia that you can tell your friends. Although, granted, you should be telling your friends about this show, so they should hear this trivia regardless. But Toppin and Grant are the first duo to win Player of the Year and Coach of the Year since 2004. Do you know who that duo in 04 was? I'll give you a moment. Your clue would be Bird flapping his wings in the corner of the court the entire time. Yeah, St. Joseph's. Jameer Nelson, former Orlando Magic great, and his head coach, Phil Martelli. So again, small mid-major school. You're, it's someone that generally, for a feat like that to happen, it's someone having an unreal season down in mid-major land with a coach bringing his team up from the depths. Should Bill Self have one coach of the year nationally? Maybe. I mean, the argument technically is, oh, man, your team was top three or top five before the season and you finished number one. Wow, great job. But when you go a little bit more than surface level, you do see that this is a team that battled through a lot of adversity. 
again, albeit some of it self-created, because if you were to say that adversity, it would be dealing with notice of allegations at the beginning of the year. Guilty by association on that one. But it's hanging. It's a cloud that hangs over your season. And then, of course, there's the fight at the field house. Again, somewhat created, unless you've listened to the show and you know that I put 95% or 90% of the blame on K-State. But they had to deal with that, and they had to deal with some roster shortcomings because of that. They played without a third-string big man for, I guess, 40% of the year after that fight with Sosa getting suspended. And they navigated their way through some injuries. Devon Dodson missed an entire game on the road. And they still beat a mediocre to good Oklahoma team. So, yeah, I think Bill Self deserves some Coach of the Year credit. Was never going to win. You know, these. I think there should be some credit to these top programs. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, usually North Carolina, although they just had a, a poopy year. But it's, it still takes good coaching to maintain consistency and to be really good year in, year out when you're taking every team's best shot every, every time you step on the court. But I get it. You're top five preseason. You finish number one. Wow, you're so good. More than anything, I'm just happy, happy that Scott Drew didn't win coach of the year. <laughs> what? I'm salty. I did hear Scott Drew in a radio interview. Very affable. I get it. Who wouldn't want to go play for a guy that's happy-go-lucky all the time? like ah shucks no we just got our guys here on campus right now they're spread out but i'm just happy he didn't win coach of the year the national association of basketball coaches the nabc did put out their all-american teams so this is you know this is a pretty good team this is a good gauge of where guys stand this is your coaches this is the peers talking about who the best players in the country were as abuki finishes on the first team all-american team there you go. Devon Dotson, second team. That's fine. So that all leads to the NCAA consensus All-Americans. I've brought up a number of the different All-American teams. The NCAA takes consensus of all of those. In fact, I think I have it right here. Yes. So the consensus All-American teams are determined by aggregating the results of the four major All-American teams by the NCAA. The, the AP, oh, excuse me, the results of the four major All-American teams by the NCAA. It's the AP, the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, the USBWA. I already said it, the NABC, the basketball coaches, and the sporting news. So by aggregating all that, Yudoka Azabuki finds himself on the first team. Devon Dotson finds himself on the second team. Congratulations. Last note. On postseason awards, Marcus Garrett was announced that he is a finalist, as he should, for the Naismith Defensive Defensive Player of the Year. Trey Jones was also on there of Duke. Mark Vidal of Baylor was also on there. And then I can't remember the other person. Whatever. Those are the top three candidates. So, whatever. Something fun happened over the weekend. While we were all sitting at home, CBS showed, they re-aired, if you will, the 2008 national title game, Kansas versus Memphis. I sort of held up my end of the bargain. I said last week, right? I'm not re-watching any of this stuff. I get it. I didn't watch the game this weekend. I didn't watch it on Sunday. Oh, 
Is Darrell Arthur still really good? No way. Chalmers still made the shot? You don't say. Oh, God, so many tweets on Sundays like, oh, man, they should give it to that Chalmers guy for this last shot. I wonder what will happen. <laughs> so good. Is Joey Dorsey still thick and mean, the center from Memphis? So I didn't watch the game. I've seen it a lot over the, over the past, now, what is it, 12 years? Whew. Something I didn't expect, though, was for Bill Self to hop on the Twitter machine and live tweet the game. If I had known that was going to happen, I actually might have watched the game in real time along with self-tweeting because it was really interesting. One, clearly a guy who does not tweet very often, both because of his spelling and the way he said, hopefully you can step away from Netflix, and he spelled it net space flicks. Maybe a bit of a generational issue there. But the last time he had tweeted was May 16th of 2019, before this Sunday. So yeah, this is, this is a guy who's not familiar with the whole Twitter experience. Some of the things I picked out, I, like I just read through it all. It's really funny to, to read it. Here's one. We cannot make a shot. Like he's clearly like coaching along with this game. Like he's watching it. This is giving us an insight of what it's like as a coach, watching game film, just to watch basketball in general. When you know so much about the game, you can't help but just say, Oh, God, these guys are trying too hard. Every player has played well, and we're up one. That's all. Memphis is so good. Like, and you read in Bill Sell's voice, right? We've all seen him in those press conferences. Like, but, but, but we're, we're going triangle in two here. Great move by Rose. It's like it's quintessential Bill Self. If you ever wanted to watch a game with Bill, this is probably as, as close as you're going to get. Had a couple of jokes about the long shorts. <laughs> I think you had two or three. It's like, what is up with these shorts? I've been watching long enough now. I've gotten used to the shorts. That was good. It is pretty remarkable to watch games, even from 10 years ago, and the change in the uniforms. Definition in television, like HD, 4K, what have you. And then the uniforms are are always the biggest changes when you rewatch a game. Like back in 08, I'm sure we were watching those games saying, man, I can really see this game clearly. Now, I look back and say, man, how did we even see the ball go through the net back then? 12 years ago. I thought it was interesting. Bill Self did show some in-game vulnerability. You know, these coaches like him and Calipari and Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, they always seem so bulletproof on the sidelines, right? In control, I'd say calm, but they're usually yelling at their own players because they want to keep control of the situation. But there's a couple times where Bill Self says, you know, that was stupid by me. I changed the defense here. That was dumb. I told Sharon Collins, bad job by me. That's my bad. I found that fascinating, to be honest. Again, the insights, learning what makes a coach tick, a Hall of Fame coach, right? What makes him tick in game. So I thought that was really fun. Would love for him to do it again. I don't know how many more Kansas games CBS will be re-airing. They kind of shot their load on that one, right? Like went straight for the most recent national championship in 2008. So I don't know where else you go from there. I don't know what else he would he would retweet. I, I did think of some games I'd love to rewatch with Bill Self. And I sort of settled in on like the entire 2012 season. Would love to get his quips. Would love to get his insights for like that last Mizzou game, right? The one that went to overtime. 
the Thomas Robinson quote-unquote block at the end of the game against the Pressy brothers. I, I, the first game that popped on my mind, actually, was that Elite Eight game of 2012 against North Carolina. Remember, that, that whole season, Kansas was sort of playing with a shorthanded deck, if you will, playing just like seven guys. Robinson, Johnson, Tyshawn, Relaford, Tehan, Withy, Kevin Young, and then, yeah, I said Tehan, right? So like seven guys. So I would have loved to know the machinations of how he sort of moved his chess pieces, playing some chess, playing some checkers to get through that entire year and making it to a national championship game before they just got overwhelmed by Kentucky's talent and Anthony Davis. But I do remember him switching up defenses, playing a little triangle and two zone defenses here, man, the next possession against North Carolina in 2012. Would, would love to get the thought process behind that game. I think that'd be really fun. Hey, interact with the show. Tell me which games you'd like to watch with Bill Self. DM me. Send me those direct messages, baby. At Instagram. I changed my Instagram handle. It was a little confusing. It was like J and then an O with a zero and then Jonas. It was too much. I was told it was a little sophomoric as well. It's now just at JonasN310 on Instagram. Send me which games you'd like to rewatch with Bill Self. Maybe you'll get on air if it's good enough. Don't send me like... Kansas versus Oakland, 2010. Oh, that was a pretty good game. Oakland, of course, being the school in Michigan, right? All right, so we've, we've, meet, we've reached excuse me, the meat of today's program. I went ahead and I did what many people perhaps don't want to do. And that's in some player recaps. So this week, I'm going to start with the walk-ons, those energy guys on the end of the bench, you don't see very often throughout the course of the season. But when you do, and when they score, it's the highlight of the game. So I've got the three walk-ons plus one lightly used rotation player. I'm going to get into the guys who red-shirted this year next week, along with another active player. So we will start at the end, I guess. Number five, Elijah Elliott. He just finished his sophomore year. He's from South Lake, Texas. Guy who played nine games this year. Although, if you're going to play nine games, might as well maximize those nine games. He played two of them in Maui. The first against Chaminade, the second against BYU. So, hey, good for you, Elijah. Averaged 2.3 minutes per game. Again, didn't see a lot of action. Scored in three of those games, three of the nine, but he never scored more than three points when he did score. Only took four shots total, actually, but he made three-fourths of them shooting 75% on the year. That's some good math right there. One from one from long distance, three-point range. Elijah didn't play much. Don't know much about him. All I did was see him in a couple TikToks, truly. Kansas basketball uh, started their own TikTok channel. He was in there. All I'll say is that Elijah Elliott, for a guy who played nine games this year, seems like he's full of self-confidence, which is good for you. Don't know what his future is. Perhaps he has a great offseason, earns some more minutes next year. Doesn't seem likely. We move on to number 20, Michael Jankovic, the freshman out of Dallas, Texas. I did not realize this about Jank. He's 6'5", or he's listed at 6'5", 185. So, decent frame. Who knows? And he has a really good three-point stroke, as illustrated by his numbers. Played in 10 games this year, 2.6 minutes per game. 
the problem with him, you know, who knows what difference it made, but he had an ankle injury in the middle of the season. So he missed a good portion of the Big 12 season. Although, the, again, there were a lot of close Big 12 games during that stretch. So who knows how much he truly would have played. But he last got some action February 24th versus Oklahoma State. Three from seven from the field, so seven shots total. All of them were three-pointers. He had a season-high five points versus Monmouth. Monmouth, perhaps known for <laughs> the dunk at the end of the game by George Pappas. But he scored in three of the ten games he played in. Five points against Monmouth, scored in three of the ten games. His goals, I would assume, would be to get healthy and keep improving on the three-point shot. Again, good shooting will play. Like, if you need a last-second shot, maybe the end of the half, end of a game, keep working on that shot. Who knows with that frame, 6'5", if he truly is 6'5", get a little stronger. Who knows with Jank? And again, if, if the name sounds familiar, if the face looked familiar at all this year, his dad is a former assistant coach with Kansas, current head coach Tim Jankovich. He's the head coach at SMU, Southern Methodist. Pony up, Pony Express. We move on to Chris Tehan. That's right, number 12, Chris Tehan. Junior, Lee Wood, Kansas. I just mentioned his brother, Connor, a second ago, right? Major player on that 2012 National Championship game team. They didn't win. Career high in games this year. Played in 12 games. He was generally the guy when it was a blowout. The student section, the crowd would be going, put in Tehan. Put in, yeah, you get it. So, fan favorite. He made the most of his 2.7 minutes per game this year, though. Let me tell you that. Three from nine from the field, all of them threes. So he got some shots up. If you're only playing about three minutes per game and only played in 12, 12 games, getting nine shots up, the man was prolific. I was wondering, because his brother Connor was not really expected to play that much for that 2012 team. It was just the necessity, the nature of the, uh, nature of the beast that year. It's like Chris can shoot. He's a decent shooter. Is there any chance at history repeating itself? Not likely. Uh, The team is bringing back a full roster this year or next season, and that includes more guards coming in with Dewan Harris finishing up his redshirt season, five-star guard Bryce Thompson coming in. The minutes don't seem to be there for Christian. So it doesn't seem likely that he sneaks his way into the rotation like Connor, but hey. Hey, Chris, if you're listening, which I know you are, keep that red hair looking good. And let's have a great senior day next year, okay? Awesome. Next player, this should be an interesting one. Number 13, Tristan Anaruna, the freshman from Almir. In my notes here, I put Almir, N-E. No, he's not from Nebraska. They call him the Dutch oven, the flying Dutchman, if you will. He's from the Netherlands. 6'8". A generous 200 pounds he's listed. I would assume that he jumped in the shower, soaking wet, doused with a hose, jumped on the scale. Oh, you're 200 pounds. Thin as a rail, but man, the potential. (laughs) We'll get into that in just a second. Here's the raw numbers. 30 games this year, 10.9 minutes per game. Really started to, to dwindle as the season went on. I mean, his season high of nine points came all the way back in November. Against UNC Greensboro. 2.9 per, 
points per game. So what does he need to do? Like he played, he got some experience. But I think everyone knows he's going to have to get stronger, right? And he definitely will have to improve that three-point shot. Just consistency overall offensively. 25.8 percentage from three points, three-point land. Overall shot 34%. Those numbers, as it is, are not great. Even if he was just shooting only twos and he was at 34%, you got to work on that. But again, the potential is just oozing out of his pores. So best case scenario for Tristan Anaruna. He turns into that perfect small ball four, that small ball forward who can stretch the floor, shoot the three, and he can really affect the game with that unreal length of his. And if that happens, this is an NBA guy, right? Who knows about the athleticism? He threw down a couple sweet windmill dunks in transition. Like, if he gets his game in order, if he has a good offseason in the weight room and that three-point shot gets more consistent, he will get some NBA consideration. Worst-case scenario, though, doesn't get stronger with the ball. You know, not great driving. You could shut him off, you send him baseline, then he's finished. He's unable to guard down low. Like, he's going to get switched off on some bigger guys. The length will help, but if he can't hold his own, if he can't hold his own and he's getting backed into oblivion, there's nothing good happening there. And at worst, he just becomes a depth player who plays in, ca- in case of foul trouble. Similar to his role this year, right? I don't see it. Like, he wasn't going to come in and light the world on fire. He was always going to be a project, like a program player. Two, three, maybe four years. And by that junior year, for sure, I think we're going to see some really special things. Big offseason, though. The biggest jump tends to come freshman to sophomore year. By the time you get to your junior year, senior year, eh, you're kind of what you expect as a, as a college player. So I'm really excited for this offseason for Tristan and Runa. I just love the potential. Like in this era, and Bill Self really has embraced the four-guard lineup, if you will, you know, the one true center, and then to fill it in around him. Like this is the ideal player. He can hit a three-point shot. But if the game was on the line, I don't want him taking that shot. I think you get the idea. So we're kind of up against it right now. Hey, just because it's off season, just because there's really nothing happening, doesn't mean we can't fill a show. We look forward to speaking with you next week. The Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Jonas Nordman, appreciate you listening as always. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Heeding the warnings, staying indoors. I think to protect our country, you can sit on the couch, right? Can you manage? Uh, Let's just say I'm doing my part for our country. Real quickly here. Because ESPN as well needs to fill time to figure out how to go about having no live sports for a couple months here. Paul Pierce, Jayhawk legend, NBA personality on ESPN. A lot of people think that he and I had similar career paths, if you will. We both get this all the time. If you didn't know, I am born and raised in actually Los Angeles, so... Much like Paul, came from the streets of L.A., where we were both superstars, you know, locally, of course. He then went, we both went to Kansas, established ourselves. Then Paul went on to have a Hall of Fame career with the Celtics, but we both had brief stints working with the L.A. Clippers. I won't get into what I did. Obviously, wasn't a basketball player. But very briefly, for like a year or two, we were with the Clippers. And now here we are. <laughs> Just a couple of media personalities, right? 
Paul Pierce, Jonas, we're, we're all the same. Drop me a line on my Instagram DMs. Tell me what you think about that. At JonasN310. But he was asked to do his all-time Kansas team. So this is Paul Pierce, all-time Kansas team. Starts it off easily at the center position. <laughs> well, I'm going to start on the other side because let's just say his team has a lot of girth. His starting point guard, Mario Chalmers. Okay, fine, clutch, good point guard, NBA experience. Second, I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Paul Pierce says that Paul Pierce is on his all-time Kansas team. Even if it wasn't for selfish reasons, I think it's understandable. And part of the fun of doing something like this is that everyone always has criteria, right? Are you looking at guys who have had NBA success for your all-time Jayhawk team? Are you doing it purely off of just what they did in school? Who makes this fun? Third, he puts Danny Manning at like the swingman position. That's interesting. And I think you kind of get the idea where he's going from here. Because if that's like his small forward between Pierce already at like 6'8", playing the, the shooting guard, and then Danny Manning, a traditional power forward on the wing, well, you get the idea. Power forward, he's got Joel Embiid. That feels like recency bias. Joel barely even played his freshman year when he was at Kansas. He's become an NBA superstar. That Again, like talent-wise, yeah, Joel might be one of the most talented players who ever played at KU. But the let's just say the, the service time is not quite there. And then at the center position, Wilt Chamberlain, sure. It's hard to argue with that. So no one is ever getting a rebound against Paul Pierce's team. And that's what Jay Williams said also. <laughs> and it goes to show you because Jay Williams and Jalen Rose were also on this video chat with Maria Taylor. It's so interesting to see these video chats for like these major productions. And Jalen Rose and Jay Williams both spent time in college game day. So conceivably, they should have some insight to the college game. Oh, they are NBA guys. And it showed because neither of them said anything when he put Embiid on this team. Because if you're on like all-time Kansas team, like at power forward, I just said Embiid might be the most talented player, but like how do you not put like Thomas Robinson or Marcus Morris, even with recency bias, as your starting power forward? They did more as Jayhawks, and they've at least had NBA careers. So that's that. Appreciate you listening. Next week, we'll continue our journey along the Jayhawks roster. I said it. We're going to get into some of the red shirts next week. So... Mitch Lightfoot, come on down. Dewan Harris, come on down. And uh, who else will join them? You'll have to tune in and see. Should be fun. Enjoy your time at home. Hopefully everyone's still getting everything done. Stay indoors. Take everything seriously. On a more somber note, I don't know, like this is crossing program lines here, but Carl Anthony Towns, former Kentucky superstar, current Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, he, he put out a plea last night just his mom's in a tough spot so and i believe it's because of the coronavirus so take everything seriously like maintain your social distancing like you don't need a numb school like myself to tell you this but like if that didn't at least hit closer to home yesterday or last night when that came out i, I don't know what will tough stuff so enjoy your time inside get that postmates or that pizza delivered and, and stay safe out there everybody recommend the show really appreciate you listening even as the season has now unfortunately come to an abrupt end but until next week i will say this take care and rock ready to make an entrance